Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Five Spot. I'm your host, Donovan McNabb. I'm joined with Armando Segarro. And we're going to just get right into the Monday night game with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What a great showing offensively to me by the Philadelphia Eagles, showing the ability to run the football effectively with, with Swift and, and their running attack. I, I always talked about it. In order for this team to be successful, you have to at least allow Swift to get at least 18 carries or touches in the game in which he had 16 carries uh, for 130 yards. And, and then you bring Gainwell on who suffered some injury and missed last week's game. And he was able to get 14 carries and Scott was able to get uh, 10 carries. So I, I look at it in a sense for the Philadelphia Eagles, establishing the run game is the key to the importance of them getting uh, back to the Super Bowl. But Armando, when you watched that game, was it more dominant of the Philadelphia Eagles from an offensive standpoint, or was this more of, Tampa Bay really trying to figure things out. Well, I'm happy that Jalen Hurts <laughs> with the <laughs> did a, his his best impression of Michael Jordan playing with the flu, and right. he played well. Right. Uh, look, I don't know how you feel about quarterback wins because I've never thought of that as an actual very statistic. big. Yes. Okay, but to me, it's a team win, but. People say quarterback wins. And so Jalen Hurts, the last 21 games he's played, the Eagles have won 20 of them. So uh, that's good, by the way. That's a good Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And um, there's got to be, you know, Todd Bowles is a is a bright mind defensively, I think. Right. Uh, or at least he used to be. <laughs> Nobody can figure out the, the tush-push defense. No, no one can that out and they brought that out what like three four five times yesterday it, it, it's amazing they're perfect they're 100 on it and, and you know i look at this especially on fourth down but I, I think when you look at the questions coming into the season obviously losing both coordinators for the philadelphia eagles i think offensively what we're seeing from uh the philadelphia eagles is they want to establish the run game more with the running backs instead of so much of the rpo game and i appreciate that because you have talented running backs. Let's get downhill. Let's be able to go north and south. And your offensive line is the best in the off in the NFL, I believe, uh, when it comes to total package of running as well as passing. And that's when you'll see last night when Jalen Hurts had about five seconds multiple times in the pocket to go through his reads more than once to deliver at least a completion downfield multiple times. One led to, uh, obviously, an interception. But that was a misread, I think, with Swift. But I look at it in a sense for their defensive line. Their defensive line by the end of the year will be one of the top two or three, and I think behind Dallas and maybe San Francisco, as far as being able to apply pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Do you see it that same way, Armando? Well, now we're talking about the big heavies, right? right? Yes. Offensive line, defensive line. We're not yeah. ball watchers on this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're also looking at – LOS line yes. of scrimmage and you mentioned their offensive line they they have a hall of fame center can we agree on that I agree we, okay because I'm you know I'm I'm a hall of fame voter and if you say no then ooh uh <laughs> but yeah so he's a hall of fame center a hall of fame right tackle arguably Lane Johnson Arguably, there's a there's a chance. I mean, you got to you got to take into account Jason Peters is also uh, in that mode. 
Uh, is he at the level where Jason Peters was throughout his career? He's, he's definitely close in getting there. But I think future, if he can five more years, four more years of this, absolutely. The point being that that is an elite, elite, and you said it, offensive line. They right. should be able to, you know, move the ball on the ground right. with, with DeAndre Swift. By the way, we'll get into it later, but when I see Swift standing next to Kelsey oh. on the sideline, no. I get nightmares. I got nightmares, bro. No. Swift and those two names together. Ooh. I'm not going to let you go there with it. Not going to let you go there with it. <laughs> so, look, go ahead. the week before, they had some runs where the running back wasn't touched. I put it on my Instagram. Wasn't touched the first seven yards of a carry. Right. That's how good that line is. And so, that is obviously a team – a team uh, strength and that travels, right? Right. That, right. that right. travels. It travels from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator, from summer football to winter football. It travels. And then the defensive line, they've they've put so many resources in that thing. They need to be. They are. They're young, but they're gonna be good. Yeah, I, I keep in a sense uh, as far as where the NFC East is at this particular point. You talk about Dallas coming to Arizona uh, and laying an egg. Uh, can't score in the red zone. Uh, good between the two tens, but, you know, can't finish in the red zone. So uh, the Washington Commanders struggled uh, with the Buffalo Bills. So the NFC East, I think, is going to be what it's been over the last decade or, or, or so uh, of just kind of up and down teams trying to be consistent. Uh, it's going to be one that I think it's going to come down probably to the last four games of the season, which I think the Philadelphia Eagles will win it. But let's move to uh, Cincinnati, where the Bengals were able to have Joe Burrow back. Still not at 100% with the calf injury. They were a little worried about him getting outside the pocket. But more importantly, playing against another team with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, where they're still trying to figure it out. Uh, but were you impressed? by at least the attempt of Joe Burrow playing with that offense? Because to me, they didn't look good at all uh, last night. Right. So a couple of telling things. Joe Burrow's not right. No. He, he He's immobile, right? That he couldn't right. get out of his own way. Right. Uh, I appreciate the the spunkiness, the chutzpah. I right. appreciate the courage in being out there. Right. Uh, I, I don't appreciate the performance all that much. It wasn't no. that good. But it's a, dull, a, a double win for the Bengals, Donovan, in that, number one, they won. And a, a win is a win. Right. It, it's important. And right. he didn't get re-aggravated. He didn't re-aggravate the injury. Those are two wins. They can build on that. They can stack on that. But impressed? Nope. Sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a Cincinnati Bengals team with, with 19 first downs. Uh, he passed for 259, which playing from the pocket, we know Joe Burrow can, can sling it. But when I look at that offense, I mean, T. Higgins was really ineffective in that offense. Uh, I thought they force-fed Jamar Chase um, to get him the ball a little bit more. They they didn't really run the football effectively. And when I look at their – they had 23 yards rushing in that game. Now, you would think with Zach Taylor, you have an injured quarterback, a quarterback that's probably one false move away from being back on the training room table. You would think you would run the football effectively. But they only have 23 yards rushing, and 
with Joe Nixon back in the backfield. I, I just think this is a recipe for disaster for the next couple of weeks because you're putting too much pressure on the offense of the Cincinnati Bengals and an injured quarterback, and your defense isn't effective. Now, I will say this. The referees missed the call on that sideline. That was a touchdown on that reverse play uh, from, from the Rams that I, I thought he got in. They called him down, I think, at the four-yard line or so, uh, in which I think led to a field goal. But yet still, I, I just think it's two bad teams that we've seen last night play, and it's it's not going to go upward for, for both. I think it's either going to kind of plateau or it's going to go downhill. What do you see, Amrondo? Well, you know, you mentioned the, the lack of running. So they had the injured quarterback nursing the, the calf strain, uh, worried about the whole thing. Yeah, let's throw right. the ball 49 times. 49 times. 49, 49 attempts. Right, exactly. Exactly. And it's, you get, But they only had 309 total yards of offense as a team. Like, I, listen, I, don't get me wrong. Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback in the league. In my eyes, he's top three. Um, and, and I get that you're kind of riding with him. But can you allow him to get back to 100% first? And it's to me, it's just Cincinnati, from the success that they've had over the last two years, I think they're starting to feel the pressure of being able to get back to that elite level of where Kansas City is, what they're seeing from the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the Buffalo Bills seem to turn it around a little bit ever since that first game. So I think they're feeling the pressure a little bit uh, because offensively they're challenged to me and it's starting to show and display uh, each and every week. I mean, Armando, would you say it's more of Zach Taylor or is it more of just maybe just the injured bug trying to start to hit him early? Nah, uh-uh. No, no, no. We're not, I'm not going to let this uh, – I'm not sli- letting you slide. <laughs> Joe Burrow, top three quarterback, give me yeah. your top three. Well, to me, I, I look at it a sense, and this is where I am right now just from this season. This season, I'll say it's Patrick Mahomes, Tua – and I'll put Joe Burrow in there. I still can't put Josh Allen above, um, you know, Joe Burrow. I can't put him there. Jalen Hurts, I, he's in, in my top five, top six, absolutely, without a doubt. But I just think those three, and because everyone sleeps on Tua, everyone sleeps on Tua because they want to bring the injury thing up. But for Tua's been consistent, when he's been out on the field, the Miami Dolphins' offense has been pretty potent. Uh, I, I, I would put Justin Herbert ahead of Joe Burrow right now um, because he's better. Because of what right you see last week? Because the week before wasn't all that impressive. No, I mean, he has – he well, it's been better than Joe Burrow all, all year. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're going by impressive, I wasn't impressed by Joe Burrow last night, last week, or the week before. So there's but that. The, but the thing I will say this, and we talked about wins, remember. I mean, Justin Herbert hasn't done anything in the playoffs. At least Joe Burrow has that to be able to carry the weight. Now, the injury will help. The injury will help and say, well, if he's healthy, things will be different. And that's kind of where I'm leading. I'm leading because I think if he's at 100%, this offense is way different than what we've seen. I just want to put – I always put Justin Herbert in that second tier of quarterbacks. And I know everybody gets enamored with potential and what he's capable of, but he hasn't done it to the point where you need to do in the playoffs. Because he's got the goofiest coach in the NFL. Well, <laughs> hold that thought. We're not going to get into it right okay. now. Okay. Your see favorite. You about, 
We'll wait to get into that. Okay. 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 So uh, let, let's let's continue to move where you know we're we're talking a little bit of the ups and downs. Man, yeah. I, this weekend was something special when it came to college football. And everyone kind of either you like Dion or you don't. And remember we talked about it on Friday where it was half of the world is waiting for this moment in the moment that we're in right now. And that's waiting to see Colorado fail and what will happen next. And I thought in that Oregon game, uh, I thought they hit a wall where they understood that another team was better uh, and they took their lumps, but I'm interested to see how they bounce back. Let Before we go deep, deep into it, what did you see from Oregon that made you think possibly that this could be a, a playoff team? Well, first of all, so you mentioned Dion, and, and I'll get to Oregon in a sec. Yeah. Uh, I'm ride or die with Dion. That's that's just it, because the guy, he's a Christian. He's a, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm in the house. Okay, okay. I'm in his house. That's you get, Don't you dare you separate me from him. Right now, you get fired uh, up. <laughs> okay, uh, so so there's that. But Oregon, two things. They're more talented, <laughs> okay? They, they are a arrived team. The, the, the Colorado Buffs, they're a on-the-journey team. Right. The, Oregon is what Colorado is striving to become, and maybe a little bit less, but nonetheless – Right. And then I thought Dan Lanning, he just out Dion Dion because you got the whole Dion playing the it's us against the world. Everybody hates you. Nobody believes in you. And I saw that Dan Lanning speech at, you know, pregame. And what was that? It's us against the world. Nobody believes in you. They want clicks. We want wins. Well, you know what, Armando, Let, let's let's go into that landing speech in the locker room, which he brought the cameras into the locker room. So this was premeditated uh, by landing to get his team fired up. If we have that that clip, let's let's play that that voice by uh, by landing in the locker room. You drop your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. When you say that in the locker room to your team and you invite the cameras in, to me, you're trying now to use the old school BCS voting uh, advantage of, hey, we were fired up. We were ready to go. We're one of the best teams. How many times did he mention Bo Nix being one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the country? Uh, and talk about an offense and at halftime, talk about we're not done. And to go for it on fourth down uh, when you're up by 35 or 40 uh, multiple times to raise the price, uh, or the, really raise the score um, and, and get everyone in the, uh, in the stadium kind of fired up. To me, it, it's, you're doing a little bit too much uh, in my eyes of what Lanning was doing with Oregon. What do you, what, did you see the same thing, Armando? Well, so let, let, let's just agree that college football coaches, they are on 100% of the time on game 100%. day. Yep. If they're not coaching, they're recruiting, believe it or not. And we saw it years ago. I mean, years ago, like decades ago, 
coaches hated doing those uh, walk and talks with sideline reporters coming off at halftime. And they right. hated the post game because it got in the way of what they were doing. And Nick Saban showed everybody, no, that is an opportunity to put your program on display and you are recruiting on a national scale during those 30, 60, 90 seconds. And I think everybody now understands that in college coaching, you are recruiting when you are on camera. So nothing that he did on camera to me was problematic. Was he, was he bold? Was he prideful? Was it maybe over the top? Yeah, it was. But you're talking about a guy whose team, I mean, we talked about it last week, Donovan. He beat Portland State 81 to 7. He wasn't <laughs> going to take his foot off the gas for Buffalo. Right. He, wasn't, he was going to put the foot on the gas. And that's who he is. And what he was doing was come to Oregon. We're going to put the foot on the gas and you're going to play and we're going to play 60 excuse me, 60 minutes. So basically he was using Dion's mentality to get the same thing that Dion was trying to do on his side. So Am I wrong? That's my, I mean, I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him, but don't say that they're for the clicks and the likes and we're for the wins when you're doing the same exact thing. I'm Hey, I'm all about it as well. You have to enhance your program, and get the elite players because the transfer portal is where everyone goes. You might get about six, seven recruits out of high school, but you're getting 20 kids, 25 kids from the transfer portal to elevate your game to that status. And I think where we are now for the parity, remember, teams are now starting to move to different conferences uh, in the next couple of years. So you have to continue to compete at that level, and that's where it's at. I mean, let's stay, let's stay on this kind of conversation and this talk because the Ohio State game versus the Notre Dame fighting Irish might have been one of the games that you were you didn't want to leave. It was like if you had something in the microwave, you just let it sit until the game was over. Uh, and I was all in. Remember I, last week I talked about uh, my very first game playing on the road, McCord, Kyle McCord's first game on the road, and I featured – in the second half, Marvin Harrison Sr. Well, Notre Dame decided to, it seemed like they had the punt return gunners uh, out there guarding Marvin Harrison Jr. They double teamed him at least 75 to 80% of the game, which led to their other receiver in Emeka Abuka having seven catches for 96 yards. What did you see from Ohio State that we didn't maybe expect from them in crunch time to be able to play? Uh, to be able to be one of those top three, top four teams in the country? Well, for, first of all, and very important, from here until eternity that we're doing this podcast, um, nobody and nothing separates me from my food. So just <laughs> letting you know, if I got something in the microwave, I don't care if we're in overtime, at the goal line, on fourth down, I'm getting my microwave food, okay? So I'm just letting you know, Food, priority number one. Look, look, look. Okay, so there's that. Uh, now that we've established food and Armando. There you go. Just, just, just everything else you just said, 
you're right. That was a heavyweight brawl. Right. Uh, it, it was a heavyweight brawl in which Notre Dame at the end uh, tripped itself up. Are you yeah. aware the last two plays of the game with oh, we Ohio players. State? Yeah. Ohio State at the goal line. Notre Dame comes with 10 guys on defense. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. Not good. And then, of course, Ohio State won it with this big, you know, big, big pen. We're bigger than you. We're more physical than you. You're physical. We're physical. Who yeah. Your team, all that. And Ryan Day got all smacked down. It yeah. was great. After the game, it was great. Well, I mean, remember the comments that were made on ESPN with Lou Holtz. Um, and, and I get Lou Holtz, you know, obviously backing and trying to, pump up Notre Dame and what they've been able to do and the success that they've had. Um, and Day, I think he got a little emotional after the game, uh, trying to kind of get some get back on, on Lou Holtz and his comments. But I, I'll say this about Ohio State. One thing I always uh, kind of focused in on and early in the season was Ohio State's defense has, has had a lot of holes in them. You know, if it was their secondary, remember the, the last four or five years, it was always, well, they need to go back to this coverage. They need to blitz more. They can't seem to stop the run. Uh, in that particular game, when I looked at what Notre Dame was able to do versus them, they had 351 uh, total yards against Ohio State. Uh, they had 22 first downs. Sam Hartman, to me, probably will be a top six quarterback, top five quarterback coming out to the draft. Uh, at one point, he was a first-round draft pick before the illness uh, that happened at, at Wake Forest. But he threw for 175 yards. So they applied pressure on Sam uh, all throughout the game. But offensively, they ran the football. Ohio State ran the football with, with Henderson for 104 yards. Is that a recipe for success for Ohio State going forward to take pressure off of their young quarterback, Kyle McCourt? So first of all, Sam Hartman looks like Mike McDonald of the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> uh, I, I was expecting him hey. to get in the beard. The guy looks like he's 37 years old. Uh, so, right? Are we, I was expecting him to go, I can't forget all of, I, I, I expected, you know, those Hey, listen, things. nobody has a voice like Michael McDonald now. Hey, That's true. I mean, That's true. Didn't know what he was saying, but it sounded great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, I was impressed by the young uh, Ohio State quarterback. He oh, reminded cool. me of a college version of Brock Pur Brock Purdy. Uh, okay. Just just understated and just uh, kind of low key, yeah. but an assassin's heart. That kid. An assassin. He's a, he should be a ninja because he's going to come in the night and kill you. Uh, so that that kid was impressive to me. And again, Ohio State wants to be this. We're not going to lose because we're just as physical as you. Right. That's not who they are, really. Uh, Brian Hartline is their offensive coordinator. He's a friend of mine. At at his core, he wants to throw the ball. Right. He is a former wide receiver in the NFL. He wants to throw the ball. That went to Ohio State. Yes, yes. And has brought in great wide receivers to Ohio State, and he wants to use them. So I don't know what Ohio State's 
personality is, right. that is a, a thing that's in the works, right? right. Uh, they got to figure out what their personality is. If their personality is, we're going to be everything to everybody, that might not work in in December and January. Well, I, I think uh, just to kind of sum it up, I think what they want to do is they want to have more of a play-action game, so establish the run early with Trayvon Henderson uh, and be able to utilize that play-action game to get the ball to their weapons on the outside. Because, look, to be honest with you, they probably have three first-round wide receivers again. Uh, and and their running running a back goes back to, like, J.K. Dobbins and, and Ezekiel Elliott and all those guys. So running the football is something that they do. But I think the play-action game uh, will help Kyle McCord, who also went to high school at St. Joe Prep out in uh, New Jersey, the Pennsylvania, out Pennsylvania, Jersey area, with Marvin Harrison Jr. So that connection is definitely there. But let's just go from uh, from the disappointing side for Notre Dame, obviously keeping ten on the field. Let's go back to the NFL when we talk disappointment. How about that blowout by the Miami Dolphins on the Denver Broncos? Uh, what does that say for Sean Payton in that organization? Because, again, remember I talked about it. You can't point the finger at Russell Wilson. If your defense is giving up 70 points, isn't that more of everyone else besides your quarterback? You know, there's a saying, and it's it's scripture. Pride comes before a fall. Right. Sean Payton uh last year last year Sean Payton was talking about Tua Tangavailoa yep. and 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 Teddy Bridgewater yep and he said by the end of the year the dolphins will have a quarterback controversy they won't know which quarterback they want because uh Bridgewater is is could be better than than uh who he's coach by the way could yep. be better than Tua so there's that this preseason he ripped the Broncos of last year, the coaching staff of last year, and he talked about everything they did, we're going to do the opposite. And then right. he took on Nathaniel Hackett and he called it a circus and this and that. And now he gives up 70 points. It's like, welcome to reality, my friend. Here's your fall. Have it. It's served up hot for you. Take this seven. <laughs> Take these 10 touchdowns and 726 yards and go home. You know, when I look at the Miami Dolphins, I think it's more of the Miami Dolphins and the weapons that they have and the chemistry that they have under Mike McDaniels than the Denver Broncos. I think the Denver Broncos, is they're not the same team that they were last year because their defense early on in the season uh, was the staple of that team. And, they played very well, but I thought after the trade uh, with Chubb, that defense started to fall apart. And we can blame Russell because it's easy to blame Russell because he's the quarterback, and he wasn't playing as what we expected coming from Seattle. I think he's doing that now. But I think from a total team standpoint, one, you got to look at Vance Joseph, uh, the defensive coordinator, and then you have to look at the talent. Their talent isn't what it should be to be able to compete on a consistent basis and that will all change but more for the Miami Dolphins what we're seeing from Mike McDaniels and this creativity has been pretty much impressive to me uh, of just being able to bring the run game into the fact but with some pizzazz and swag and open up his guys on the outside 
do you see possible Mike McDaniels being coach of the year this year because of that? And will it be able to sustain that throughout the year? So I, right now he's the, the leader in the clubhouse, right? I mean, obviously only three weeks in, we get to change our minds as the season, which is fluid, goes back and forth. But he had he put a quarterback on the field on Sunday that was 23 of 26. Okay. And At one threw- point he was 22 of 22, I believe. Right. And he threw four touchdown passes. So what I'm telling you is he threw more touchdown passes than right. he had incompletes. Yeah. Just saying. Uh and they the ran the game. ball. I was about to for- say. They ran the ball for 350 whopping yards, which is if you're going to run the ball like that, no one's going to stop you because the defense doesn't know what it can take away because it has taken away nothing. Now, granted, the Broncos defense, there's a couple of of, of tapes on, on social media where they've got five guys on the ground. And they're just, and they really did just lay down at the end. Uh, but that, it's like, I can't imagine. I don't know what, what, how do you stop that place? How do you stop that team? Well, when, when they're rolling, offensively, you have to find a way to neutralize their offense. And I mean that by running the football, moving the chains, eating up clock, because when they're hot, they're hot. But we've seen them hit a kind of a wall a bit throughout the season last year. And a lot of it was due to, you know, Tua coming back off of injury, uh, bring, you know, backup quarterbacks in. Teddy Bridgewater came in. Uh, then he got hurt. Uh, then they go to their number three guy. Uh, but if Tua stays healthy, I think offensively, it will be one that, that will be challenging to opposing defenses and defensive coordinators because there are so many weapons. And now that he's shown the ability to, to run the football, uh, and, and that sets up their play-action game where the quick game becomes so so vital with the wide receiver screens and then taking your shots downfield. But I just think right now for a lot of defensive coordinators, especially in their division, think of Buffalo. Buffalo now is changing things around and getting themselves together. That's going to be a big matchup again because remember last year in Miami, I believe Josh Allen may have thrown for 400, over 400 yards in that game, but guys were cramping. Uh, they weren't able to kind of finish at the end, so that's going to go down to the wire. But I think more importantly, uh, as far as where we are right now in the NFL, we already talked about Mike McDaniels and his creativity. But I think Tua Tagovailoa needs a little bit more uh, attention because I think people are still trying to wait and see if he can stay healthy. But I think this is a contract year for Tua. And going forward, this could possibly be the biggest year for him to be able to propel himself up there with the likes of the the Aaron Rodgers, the the Patrick Mahomes, you know, the Joe Burrows and those guys. You see it the same way? Yeah. I mean, look, quarterback contracts don't go down. So the next guy is going to beat the last guy. And the last guy was Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is the highest paid player in the NFL. The next guy will be the highest paid player in the NFL if he's of that level, which right now Tua Tungavailoa is of that level. And we mentioned Sean Payton. He had an embarrassing, embarrassing weekend. Right. There was other embarrassments this weekend, I would say to you. Uh, like, Give, me, give me your number one embarrassment out of all of them. Give me your number one embarrassment. 
wow, that that that's a wide pool that you've asked me to jump right. into, and I don't swim. Um, so <laughs> bears, uh, cowboys, uh, let's see Jets. who else. Jets. Jets. <laughs> How can I forget the Jets? I gotta go Cowboys, man. Okay. I gotta go Cowboys. I mean, they their fall was to me uh bigger and wider than anything. We kind of know that the Jets are trash now. We kind of know that the Bears are trash. The Cowboys, they're supposed to be good. And they lost to Arizona, who's tanking. What's up? Well, you know what? I think it's it's one and we like we talk, it's one game, but yet still, I think they got exposed in their running defense, their run defense. And, you know, when you have Lawrence, uh, you have obviously Parsons, you have your linebacking crew, um, and Van and Bosch and those guys. Uh, you know, I, I just think what we've seen from that defense, it was unexpected. But yet still, they did play the Giants. Yet still, the teams that they've dominated weren't kind of strong offensive teams. Uh, not to say that Arizona was either, but they came out with the mentality of we're just going to run the football down your throat. We're not going to drop back and have you sack Dobbs four or five, six times in the game. We're going to run the football, and they were effective. But again, is it Mike McCarthy and his decisions on offense, or would you say it's more of what the defense wasn't able to do versus that Arizona offense? And so that's the I, embarrassment that I look at. Yeah, like you said, the Jets. I know about everybody else. But when it comes more of what the Dallas Cowboys was expected to offer us, I think right now they have to go back to the drawing boards and try to figure out what they need to do to stop the run first on defense. And then on offense, they might have to go get a power back to go finish uh, those games for them down in the red zone. Yeah, so they were two of six in the red zone, right? Yeah. And on three of those, on three of those, Dak threw an interception. You saw the bad interception that he threw into triple coverage. Uh, So that was crazy. Uh, He underthrew an an, an obvious touchdown. On the flag go. Right, that CeeDee Lamb was waiting for a call that he didn't get, but still the ball was underthrown. If the ball is is right, that's a touchdown. And then there was another one where uh, he had a receiver open to the – to the right uh, back corner of the end zone. And he went to the middle of the field instead, where again, into coverage. And it, it just doesn't make sense. Dak Prescott cost them basically three touchdowns in that game because why? Well, he doesn't have Zeke Elliott to hand the ball off to. He doesn't have Dalton Schultz, Schultz. To, right, to, to throw the ball to. Those guys, uh, the stat is that the Cowboys the last two years have scored 81 red zone touchdowns, and those two guys accounted for 35 of them. I would say to you they're missing those two guys because <laughs> they don't, don't have replacements. Well, it, it's funny. Um, when we look at that offense, and yes, I thought Schultz was a major factor uh, in the success that they've had and how he's grown in the last couple of years with the relationship with Dak Prescott and obviously Ezekiel Elliott those guys pretty much, you know, growing together and being able to be the staple in that offense and really the faces of, of that organization. There will be one they'll have to fill the void. But speaking of filling the void and missing, I know you guys are wondering when we'll be back. We'll be back Tuesday. Uh, make sure you check in the five spot because we got a lot more information uh, that we're going to give you. But more importantly, we'll break down 
uh, the Monday night game and the games that will be coming up going forward in that following week and weekend. So stay tuned for the five spot. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you again.